and welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I am talking to the author of the Waterstones Book of the Month for August, Jenny McClacken, and the book in question is the rather wonderful The Land of Raw. And I also have some reviews from you from the lovely pupil librarians of Stenning C of E Primary School. Enjoy! Hello everyone, today I am talking to Jenny McLachlan about her latest novel, The Land of Raw, which is published by Egmont and illustrated rather beautifully by Ben Mantle. Hi there, Jenny. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So shall we start just by you telling people what The Land of Raw is all about and why they really did ought to go and get themselves a copy? Yes, I will. Um, The Land of Raw is about a time most people can probably remember in their lives. Well, the start, possibly not the second part, um, when you um, are on that brink of between maybe being a child and growing up and often it sort of falls around the start of secondary, starting secondary school. And it's about two twins who are 11 and it's the summer holidays before they start secondary school and they have been in the past the very best of friends but recently they've fallen out slightly and they um they go to their granddad's house and granddad's clearing out the attic and as they're helping him they start to find a few things which remind them a game they used to play when they were in the attic um and they find a Z bed or a camp bed because I've I've called that to be a little clearer because not many people know what a Z bed is it turns out with the words enter here for the land of raw scratched on it and they remember that they used to play a game that began when they crawled through the Z bed and it was a brilliant game with dragons and mermaid witches and ninja wizards but it was just a game they think until granddad in trying to encourage them to keep playing crawls into the bed and promptly vanishes and Arthur and Rose have to um, well make the decision about whether they're going to go and find him or not there's certain clues that suggest he's been taken by somebody called Crokey and um, Arthur does take the plunge and crawls through the bed and the book is about what happens next thank you right yes I knew what a dead bed was but I would normally call it a camping bed oh I've just lost you um, I can still hear you fine. Can you hear me? Do you want me to hang up and reconnect? Yeah, it sounds like a keyboard playing. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, it's mean. okay now. I can hear you now. Should we carry on? Yeah, no? you okay? Yeah, let's carry on. Yeah, I'm okay now. Fine. Okay. Um, right. Um, okay. So I am going to be quiet and then I'm going to ask you, well, go into question number two. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that the story mainly takes place in this magical land called Raw, where the twins, when they were getting on when they were younger, would play seemingly imaginary games. And I was just wondering if you drew inspiration from an imaginary land of your own that maybe you had when you were growing up. Um, Well, I wish I had had a land of Raw when I was growing up. But in a way, I suppose I did have it because my it really it was drawn from my whole childhood, which was um, really wonderful. Um, I was given a huge amount of freedom by my mum and dad and my grandparents. 
and also my cousins and my brother and sister and we played for hours and hours huge rambling games that went on not just for hours but days we'd make camps that took over entire rooms so you had to crawl to get into the room um and we had particularly great games at my nan's house in Portsmouth where my um this was my cousins and it was it was a very it was one of the those houses which they're often B&Bs they're very tall house and uh, basically as long as we didn't get in the grown-ups way we could do whatever we liked and we spent a lot of time playing either up in the cellar down in the cellar or up in the attic and um, that sense of freedom as I, I can remember it vividly and the games that we used to play, they sometimes tipped into feeling realistic. And one in particular was one we played called Witches and Glue Pots. And we would take all the mattresses and duvets, and there wouldn't have been duvets in those days. It was the late 70s, <laughs> all the blankets and sheets. And we'd put them, and the mattresses from the different bedrooms, we'd drag them into one room and make an enormous pile of mattresses and blankets and duvets. And my cousin Kate would be the witch who would sleep in this thing we called a glue pot. And we'd all run around it until she woke up and caught us and put us in the glue pot. Um, it was really terrifying. Kate was the youngest of us, but she was an excellent witch. And so Raw has really been drawn from all of those different experiences um and also watching my own children play i think yeah no it's like a fun game witches and glue pots witches and glue pots yeah perfect sounds really it was very dusty used to give me asthma a lot because i had asthma and um twice i ended up in hospital in portsmouth (laughs) i'm pretty certain it was because of energetic witches and glue pots dusty blankets real life hazards yeah, <laughs> from playing, yeah. from being imaginative, the dangers of the imagination. Well, yes, there are plenty of those for sure. Um, particularly <laughs> in this story's case, because um, Raw is fracturing, it's splitting apart, um, literally and metaphorically, as the children get older and things mm. are taking a rather dark turn in Raw. And I was just wondering whether... Um, that was kind of linked to the loss of childhood and growing up and why you chose to kind of highlight that in your writing? Um, Well, I can definitely remember um, around that age having a sense that I was being expected to grow up, not necessarily by my parents, but by maybe my peers, um, and I didn't want to. Hmm. The speed, I was... And um, in particular, I loved... Um, playing imagine I love drawing sing up and and all around on, me this was I a fate I could see it fading away and I, there became fewer can you hear me okay um, okay if I just um, yeah. ask you the question again is that okay I just lost part you went kind of you went roboty in the middle could, um, could it be if I go to a stronger reset place in the house let me just yeah you can do that no problem I'll, I'll see if that makes any difference I like doing um, Challenge Annika. Did you used to watch Challenge Annika? Oh, I did watch Challenge Annika. I really wanted to. Didn't you think it was the best job in the world, her job? Yeah. It was I just running around. Yeah. I don't think it's made any difference. I was basically, was, I put myself as far away as I could get from the dog in case the dog started to bark. But oh, that's she okay. Seems to be, she seems to be quite you know, settled. Wow. <laughs> She's sensibly moving around. Right then. We don't mind a barking dog. I've got my cat in here. She's looking at me okay. as though I should be paying her attention and I'm not she's a bit well that's what my dog doesn't like me having 
you know, eyes for anyone else. No. For her. Wow. Right then, how's we that? Don't, we don't mind a dog. That sounds fine to me. Do I sound okay your end? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Okay, so I'll just ask the question again about yeah. um, Raw, and then if you can go from there. Um, so in the book, uh, Raw is fracturing, it's spitting, it's pulling up into two separate halves, um, literally and metaphorically. And this is happening as the children have got older and have played there less and less. And I was just wondering whether you had deliberately linked that event happening with the children growing up and getting older and not playing the games as perhaps they had when they were younger. Um, yes, I, I can remember very clearly around this age when I was starting secondary school, feeling that I was or maybe out of sync with my peers, um, some of my peers, or maybe they felt the same way, but no one would admit it. Who knows? But mm. I loved, loved playing and and I can remember really wanting a doll for my 11th birthday, but thinking I couldn't ask for it. I was too old. Um, and so I, I, at the same time, I was also, I wasn't immature because I used to, I was an extreme babysitter. I think at one point I babysat for about 19 families <laughs> from quite a young age, actually. So it wasn't connected to maturity, but I think I, I didn't want to let go of playing and to do maybe at that age and so I, that was possibly connected to it and also I think that you notice that people start growing up at different rates and it can be a bit sad because relationships change between siblings and between friends when maybe you've been very close and um, you sort of drift apart slightly and I can remember my brother when he started to who had been my playmate for a long time and he started to go out with his friends and they'd shut themselves up in the room and listen to vinyl and <laughs> and I and I was shut out um but I think that that what I I suppose I found uh, lots of ways to be imaginative um through babysitting probably playing with my little sister I drew I read hugely and I had a doll's house which of course I could sort of put down as a hobby my renovations of my doll's house it's not really playing is it <laughs> although it was so I used to spend a long lot of time making tiny weeny things my doll's house and I think there's probably quite a strong connection between that doing that and then becoming a writer later on so I'd make tiny female food and little um little blinds I've got a tiny bonnet I made with little roses on it um and so that's what I did I suppose rather than um to sort of cling on to those games I enjoyed playing so much yeah Oh, no, it's, yeah, my eldest son is just starting to, he's just turned 10 a few months ago, mm. and he's definitely starting to drift away a bit from his younger brother. It is, it's interesting. Yes, it is, how... will you play with me? Oh, they don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> or, they, or they try sometimes, but it st sort of stops working, doesn't it, almost? Yeah. That ability to just, you know, start giving voices to characters and... Mm. Yeah, they become a bit more self-conscious. That's right, and when an, and that's some, sometimes my children just say to me, uh, "Mummy, can you go out of the room so we can do voices?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there with my notepad. <laughs> yeah, my sons were digging in the dressing up box there, and my eldest said to me, "Mummy, don't look at me, don't take any photos." And he had found this um, spy black bodysuit that he had worn, like an all-in-one. Yeah, scary thing. Don't take any photos, mummy, but look. And he was quite yeah. proud, but I mean, he didn't I love anyone to know. I love that. Don't take any photos. <laughs> As if I would. <laughs> no. 
but you wanted to secretly yeah i did but i didn't i, <laughs> yeah. I respected that that's very good privacy on this occasion yeah anyway moving on from my children um in the story there is you've already mentioned some of them there's a whole host of amazing fantastical characters we've got pickle the wind ninja who i loved and a rocking horse who's like a midnight stallion and a rather feisty mermaid and then the truly terrifying croaky where Mm. did you get the inspiration for these characters from well i was i really enjoyed thinking about this question actually because you know you're sort of delving into your psyche trying to Mm. (laughs) dig up the answers um I well, a, a lot of quite a lot of the the names and the ideas came from a very long, windy, stormy walk. My husband and I went on over the downs, over the Seven Sisters, where we talked about Raw for about two hours nonstop. We were just just coming up with names and ideas. So, the, a lot of the names came from that long walk we did, but they come from a from a lot further back than that. And I think that. Crokey in particular might have been inspired by two things. I, when my little sister uh, was younger, just I think simply to be mean, I told her that a monk lived in my nan's garage, and um, I don't know why I did this, but it, it resulted in her not being able to walk past the, the garage without someone holding her hand. Oh no! I know, isn't that mean? Yeah. And I think combined that. And I suppose you've got Rose's just delight in uh, terrifying Arthur with the invention of croaky. Um, so that fun you have with your brothers and sisters simply in scaring them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my brother and I took took it to such extreme lengths of scaring each other that we both had to agree to stop in the end um, because we scared each other so much. We just this was always quite old, I think, as well. Wow. We were too frightened to go upstairs to bed on our own. Um, and my my children had this. I've and a, a lot of a lot of the things came came from things that I've watched my children doing a little bit like you watching your son. Um, they had this little plastic red clown called Rumpus, um, who just leapt into any game, could leap into any game they're playing at any given moment, and cause a rumpus and destroy the game with his antics so I think that um Crokey's anarchic qualities might have been a little bit inspired by rumpus and um I love I love the way children just um they jump from idea to idea and just pluck names and ideas out of nowhere I I know my children have got um a couple of alter egos called granny nana and nanny nana gran nanny grana and grana nanny <laughs> they know which the difference between the two of them but i can't tell the difference between them and um i kept i've kept a lot of notebooks and and um scrapbooks of things my daughters did and i know and the other day and when i saw your question it reminded me of this i know i'd looked at a, a picture my daughter had drawn and i'd obviously written she'd told me what she'd drawn and i'd written by it um this is a witch called Ken. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course. Uh, yeah, of course. And my other daughter invented somebody called Evil, spelt E-V-O-L. It's oh, nice, yeah. nicely literal, which is was, was just a very, very naughty girl, Evil. Um, and I had, a, I had a, a horse, an imaginary horse called, this is my Prosecco, start Prosecco called Snowball. And I named him after, do you remember the drink, Snowball? Yeah, it was Snowball, and, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's it, that my nan used to have at yeah, Christmas. my mum used to drink them. That was very chic. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, why I called my imaginary horse Snowball. 
Um, so yeah, lots of lots of different memories from my childhood, and then look, listening to my children playing and seeing the things they've drawn. And um, I know that I remember that one of them used to call um, villains wickeders. Oh, <laughs> they couldn't remember it, but so I I, I think it's very handy. You know, the, I you forget a lot, don't you? Mm. But when you have children, it brings it all back. Yeah, very powerfully. You're right. No, that's really interesting. Thank you. That's quite a long answer, wasn't it? No, I just enjoyed enjoyed myself there. Good. That <laughs> trip down memory lane. No, I love it. Thank you. Oh, and good. so now I say to you, congratulations, because the Land of Raw was Waterstones' book of the month. Woohoo! How did you feel yeah. when you found out? Very, very, very happy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, it's, um, you, everybody who who writes middle grade books is is aware of Warstone's book of the month and um and would I'm sure is aware of you know how incredible it is to have your book prominently displayed in each Warstone's in the country and and the and the other thing that's really powerful is um it's then read by a lot of the booksellers and I know I went I was in about five different Warstone's in London on in, on Monday and it was really interesting listening to them talking to customers about a book they've read. And so obviously that that's just fantastic to have had a lot of people. Can you hear my dog barking? She started. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay. okay, ignore the dog, Jenny. <laughs> um, so it, it's just, it is just fantastic. I mean, we, you, it's, it is hard writing. Yeah. Um, this is, Raw is my um, seventh book. It's been published and um you 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 try to just keep focused on the writing and think about what children want to read and making your writing exciting and accessible and imaginative um and not worry too much about whether you see it in a window or on a table or in shops um but it's hard not to isn't it so it's oh. it is just the most exciting brilliant thing that could happen really it's fantastic and you start a story and it's just a little little spark in your mind and and it grows and it grows and um you're hoping hoping that other people will love it as you love it I'm sure every person who writes a book cares hugely about the book they're writing um and then when you know discover when you discover that other people have, have um been moved by your story it's it's quite an amazing thing yeah no and I think I know people who work booksellers they are the gatekeepers aren't they as you say and if they yeah have read a book and love a book then they will go out of their way to recommend it to others mm. won't they and it's and I've and I've been I've experienced that when I've been in bookshops um it's quite it's special isn't it when somebody tells you about a book they've really enjoyed mm. and why they've enjoyed it yeah no I agree well congratulations thank you <laughs> I'm smiling I'm grinning that's good you should be as you say writing a I can't imagine ever writing any kind of a book and I think it's an absolutely huge achievement to have got as many as you have actually written and published and to have this one now as book of the month in Waterstones it's a huge achievement it, yeah it's that's really kind of you say it feels it's absolutely wonderful I was um I I have to say it took quite a while for the news to sink in I was so thrilled have you been keeping it under your hat for a long time? No, not at all. I found out a few weeks ago. Okay, that's not so yeah. bad. 
No. So, um, and I, I did keep the secret very well. Well done. I think I was very controlled. I, um, the, I, I had lots of conversations with my husband, which went along these lines. Can I tell? No. Right. Don't say anything. <laughs> no. And he was always right. I didn't, I didn't mention it. I think I told my mum, though. Who could resist that? Well, I think you have to tell yeah. somebody, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, mum's the word, as they say, so. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm laughing because my mum's isn't the word. So no. I, had to, I had to say to her, give her very strict guidelines. Okay, well, literally not, can't tell anyone, mum. Not a person, no. No. Oh well, I didn't see any peep of it anywhere on social media. She did a very good job of. Oh, good. Thank you. It. Well done. Luckily, my mum's not on social media. Well, thank goodness, my mum's <laughs> not either. It would be a very different place, I think. It would. All... Might be what might be quite nice, actually, wouldn't it? If we had a few more of our mums. Yeah, get some good advice. Yeah. Hmm, maybe. No, I don't think. Well, she's tired, tired now, actually, just this summer. Mm. So maybe it's the time to get her onto Twitter. Yeah, and she can give that some calming advice to people. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, talking of advice, that leads me very nicely to my next question, which is what advice or tips would you give to any other authors or illustrators in the kind of pre-publication run-up because you were busy doing all kinds of things what did you find worked or didn't work what advice would you give oh it's really it's very interesting isn't it because a lot builds up to that moment of publication and um and I suppose there's there's two I've got two totally contradictory pieces of advice here so one is you really need to enjoy it enjoy that moment and enjoy when you see your book and in a shop when you get that first copy in your hands um I think it's I'm I'm giving advice I don't take myself I do that all the time (laughs) if only I could have to recall I have to listen back to this but just really enjoy that achievement and that and um having arrived at that point because it's really fantastic and then my other piece of advice is to to um keep keep writing <laughs> at the same time because it's um it's it's quite um it's I think that you know um it's 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 I've really much up this answer haven't I how many times should I say it's it's <laughs> okay you will have thinking time <laughs> I'll have a think I think that it's important to um keep writing because it's usually writing takes takes quite a long time to get established and um and once the excitement of publication has died down then you need to have something to be focused on and usually it's the next story that you're writing um i like to do things around my book so i was making i've spent quite a lot of time making my dragon puppets that i've enjoyed doing um and thinking about I, I was a teacher as well so I've I've thought about different ways that books could be could, could be used in schools yes me too I always do that do you mm. and yeah it's, it's fun isn't it I actually find myself lesson planning at night and I'm not actually teaching anymore amazing about my books and I think I just don't need to worry about this now um but, but I most writers start writing because I absolutely love writing and I think that I often, when I'm feeling a bit, bit discombobulated, is that a real word? Yes, it is a real word. It's a good one. Discombobulated. I, I always feel grounded and, and myself again when I'm writing. So I always have this stuff, oh, I've started writing again. 
So I think that um, it's quite a good idea because there's often a big gap, isn't there, between when you finished a book and it's published. So um, to go back to the writer reminds you about why you began it all in the first place. Perfect. So can you tell us anything about what you are currently working on or any other confirmed publications? Um, well, I'm working on Return to Raw right now. Amazing. I've, um, I've written it and I'm now editing it. Wow. Um, I've got two brilliant editors at Egmont and I get such good advice uh, so it's really exciting working with an editor because um, you know you're you're pushed you're pushed further and further it's like a really strict um, gym instructor <laughs> doesn't let you slack I had a good a good analogy actually of when I sent when you know when you you tidy your room but you do it badly and maybe you stuff stuff in the in, under the bed and you hope someone won't find it. That's what my children do anyway. I say tidy your room, so I go in and immediately it looks great until I go and pull all the things out from under the bed. I think that's what, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you send your manuscript off, it's a little bit like that, and um, a, a good editor immediately spots the stuff that you've hidden under the bed and says, "And <laughs> what about this?" Oh. So um, I, I really enjoy editing because um, you can just feel it getting better and better. So at the moment I'm editing Return to Raw and it's a really exciting story. Um, it's very snowy and cold and it is all, I'm not sure how much I can say except Crokey um, is about to get his hands on something that would be very bad for the for the twins oh. and um, they really need to find Mitch if they're going to stop him from doing it I knew he was going to come back I finished it and thought I bet a million pounds <laughs> Crokey is going to be back it was yeah when he was hauled out of the sea that's a great picture Vendrew isn't it with him dripping as he comes out of the sea quite terrifying yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> so good no you're right oh, that's been... brilliant so when's that um scheduled for publication do you have any kind of rough date? I think it's about this time next year actually ah, yeah. mm. a long time to have to wait it is isn't it yeah well yes yeah. you have to reread this one in between times so yeah i think so true. threads of of what's happened yeah oh, that's really exciting well, thank you for not giving too much away but just enough to wet the appetite i heard your cat then yes i'm sorry she's batting me with her paw saying why aren't you sat down and and, in your lap? and now my dog started again maybe they're talking to each other do you think so i can't <laughs> hear your dog she's, she's being as... very vocal downstairs she's... yeah oh, no, i can't hear her at all i need to shut the blind she'll have seen something outrageous on 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 her on her ground which would be a pigeon or something sitting on the wall oh yes so usurper yeah that's shocking well on that note i probably should let you go then because my cat's going to claw me to death and your dog obviously needs or drive um, the neighbors mad yeah a bit of a talking to so thank you so much for chatting to me it was really interesting and i can't wait to um oh it's been lovely or in return to raw it sounds very exciting Well, thank you for the lovely chat and the great questions. My pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Jenny there and then just got you all reminiscing about some of the fantastical games that you may have played in your childhoods. But now it's time to hear some reviews from the pupils of Stenning C of E Primary School. 
My name is Josie and I'm a pup year five pupil librarian at Stelling CAB Primary. The book I'm reviewing is B-Boy, The Curse of the Vampire Mites by Tony DeSauls. B-Boy is an amazing book for all ages and, has, and is hilarious. It is all about a boy who really cares for the bees of Britain and starts a bee club at his school. They keep bees at a teacher's house and they get scared when the bee master comes for fear of vampire mites. B-Boy has a very surprising and unexpected ending. I recommend it for seven-year-olds and up. I think boys would like it more than girls, but girls might enjoy it too. If you like comic style and illustrations, then you would love this book. I'd give it four out of five stars. My name is Scarlett and I am a Year 5 pupil librarian at Stelling C of E Primary School. The book I am reviewing is Captain Cat and the Treasure Map by Sue Mongredian, illustrated by Kate Pankhurst. Captain Cat discovers a treasure map, but despite the warnings of not to go looking for the treasure, she sets off with her crew to find it. The perilous journey takes them through a humorous adventure to discover the, the cursed treasure. My favourite character is Monty the Monkey because he's really naughty and gets up to mischief. I like Kate Pankhurst's illustrations, especially the treasure map. If you enjoy funny books, you would love this story. I would recommend this book to children aged 7 to 10. want to get in touch with me for any particular recommendations for yourself or individuals or for topics you're doing you can get hold of me here on the library girl and book boy podcast via the anchor app or you can find me on twitter and instagram as at book superhero 2 or of course you can go to my blog and leave me a message that's www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com and I also have a Facebook group called Library Girl and Book Boy where you can find me as well. So do please get in touch. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on next week, which I am very excited about because it's my first interview with a translator. I will be chatting with the wonderful Antonia Lloyd-Jones about the work she does translating children's books from Polish into English and in particular about a book she has translated for um, Lantana Publishing which is called Oscar Seeks a Friend and is written and illustrated by Pavel Pavlak. It is wonderful. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode being broadcast. Bye-bye now.